Welcome spooks and spirits, ghouls and ghosts. Take a seat around the campfire. But beware, this podcast is haunted. I feel like my instinct lately with microphones has been to just bring my voice way down here. <laughs> I, don't, I can't bring my voice any lower than it already is. I'm mm-hmm. like, I feel like I sound like a rumbly bear all the time anyway. Yeah, we just dug way down at the bottom of our register. <laughs> hello. Oh, hello, I'm Elizabeth Holmes. Do you not know this story? No. <laughs> she was like in Silicon Valley and she started that uh, like startup Theranos to, she was like claiming like, oh, we Is can- Is she the blood girl? She yeah, we can test one drop. With one drop of blood, we can tell your whole medical history. Right, right. I started to... She has crazy eyes. She has crazy eyes, and she talks like that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yes? Yep. About that time. About that time. Do you... Do you have anything to say? Oh, we should... Yeah, we should have a good intro. This is not good. Hello, everyone! (laughs) Hi, 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 hi! We are coming to you live... Not live, but from right. Kate's freezing cold barn. We are alive for now. Yeah. Guys, and if you don't hear from us, if you don't get this podcast, I guess, because if we die, you're not going to get Right. This is fine. Dan and David will just, like, release posthumously. It's the lost tapes. The lost tapes. Oh. Speaking of cold, uh, I've been listening to the podcast called Cold, which some of our true crime aficionados might have uh, listened to already. Uh-huh. It is uh, one of those true crime, like, serialized series. Serialized series? Uh-huh. 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 Uh, uh-huh. Where they go over one case. And uh, it's, like, this guy who is a, a Mormon. And he... Uh, those Mormons, man. Murders his wife and his whole family, basically. Oh, um, that is cold. It is cold. And it... Well, and he did it in December, like... Sure. Mm-hmm. But he also, like, did all these um, audio journals. He, like, would write things, but then he would also just have a tape recorder, and he would just, like, record himself talking about things, and it's the creepiest thing ever. And he's, like, really soft-spoken. He's like, so today I asked my sweet Susan to marry me, and she said yes. You are giving me absolute goosebumps. Yeah. Is there anything creepier than people... Who make audio recordings of themselves? Besides us, you? <laughs> no, I actually was totally including us. We are the creepiest we girls are. I know. We are. Uh, so anyway, check out that podcast yeah. uh, if you're inclined for a good spook. It's very depressing. It's very very depressing. It would um, be. But we are coming. We are we are in Kate's barn as always, except this time. It's cold in here. Well, <laughs> well, as opposed it's to it's kind of time. always cold in here, but the difference is that Dan's gone, mm-hmm. and we can't function without him. Right, <laughs> Dan is gone, and so uh, the person—he's also the person who normally like warms up the studio before we record. Yeah, and uh, he's not here, and I can't function without him. So we were so. about to come out, and you're you're like, oh shit, we should have heated up the barn. It's like, well. Yeah, uh, Jen and I are both recording in scarves and coats today. I can see Jen has conservator's gloves. Listen, <laughs> you, don't, you don't know my life. Are those your stand-in mittens? No, no, these are um, 
These are actually my last pair of of white gloves. They're, they're very dirty and need to be washed. I can see that. That Jesus. I that I took from my internship at the Ford Museum. Okay, let's fucking start the show. Again. Yeah, speaking of being cold, we're gonna be moving a little fast <laughs> right through this. So to get us in more of a positive feeling, let's talk about the tropics, shall we? <gasps> yes. Can we go to the tropics? I wish. You know, I'm going to tell this story, and you're going to laugh at me for the nerd that I am, but I'm not going to care because (laughs) you suggested this topic, and it just so happens that I had just recently purchased a new expansion pack for The Sims (laughs) called Jungle Adventure, where you can take your Sim on vacation to the jungle where they can... uh, be an amateur archaeologist and they can dig up artifacts. Yep. I, really, I was like, wow, this is really uh, on brand for what I'm focusing on right now. I love you so much. So anyway, we're talking about the Amazon. The Amazon. Yeah. I'm excited about this one. Would you go to the Amazon, yes or no? Mm. No. I mean, unless it was like a glamping trip. Sure. Uh... I get real uncomfortable really quickly. (laughs) Right. Uh, Respect. Yes. I think same. Yeah. Like the only way I would truly want to visit the Amazon is a way that is unsafe for the Amazon. Mm Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. I don't want to put that on the Amazon to have like luxury bungalows that you can stay in. (laughs) But that's what we take. Air conditioning. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, Now, that being said, I would totally go to Antarctica. No. I feel like it's also not no. That like there have been days that I have been alive in Michigan where it is colder in Michigan than it is colder in Antarctica. Okay. And so I feel like I could do like a day trip to Antarctica mm-hmm. because I'm okay putting like a scarf on. I feel like that's good enough. I would go to Antarctica. I don't think I would go to the Amazon. I don't think I would go to either. I've always been someone who is like, oh I could do Survivor. No, it would kill me. <laughs> I could do Survivor if Survivor was like, hey, how long can you, like, kind of survive in the woods? I'd be fine. But the minute they make you do a challenge where you're running on the beach, oh, yeah. I'll kill myself and everybody else. We are off topic. Already. Back to the Amazon. Back to the Amazon. Do you want to know some some brief facts, fun facts about the Amazon? Desperately. Okay. It is a tropical rainforest that covers the majority of northern South America. Wow. Uh, including 60% of it is in Brazil. 60%'s a lot. Yeah. Yeah. The next highest uh, percentage is 13% in Peru. Okay. Uh, 10% in Colombia. And the rest is Venezuela, Ecuador, Bolivia, uh, Guyana, Suriname, and French Guiana. Very cool. It is 5.5 million kilometers squared and 2.1 million square miles large. 5.5. Holy shit. Yeah. So Michigan, the state of Michigan is like 3,000 miles squared. Like it's, <laughs> it's not, wow. Yeah, it's fucking huge. That's unsettling. Yeah. And there's so much nothing. Like it is deeply not developed for now. For now. Um, yeah, someone was saying, there's been kind of like disputes about how hospitable to humans it could even feasibly be because of how densely forested planted it is um so it uh archaeologist uh betty meggers um claimed that the 
It could only handle a population density of 0.2 inhabitants per square kilometer. Although there is a lot of uh, anthropological evidence uh, that it has been dense, very densely populated in the past. With, but like, probably nomadically. Yeah, they say, uh, they say like up to about 5 million people may have lived in that region um, at about 1,500. Wow. Yeah. Wow. But it would have, yeah, like they, it, they also said that um, a lot of uh, Westerners uh, <laughs> tend to think that the Amazon uh, was just like very wild and untamed. Um, and that's why you couldn't have a huge population density. But other people have said that, no, it's because, uh, you know, it can handle more people because those indigenous tribes knew what they were doing <laughs> and purposely cultivated the forest and the jungle to grow a certain way. Right. Well, much and also like lived in their environment in a way that mm-hmm. accepted the environment without trying to change the environment. Yeah, yeah. So we also have stories of indigenous tribes in North America not planting rows of orchard trees, but like just tending, you know, fruiting trees there. where they are. And that's why when Europeans came, they're like, oh, my God, their forests are so lush and filled with fruits and vegetables. And it was just they just knew what they're doing. If you <laughs> so. ever want to read a really eye opening book about that, check mm-hmm. out the book 1491. Ooh, yeah. 1491 is about what America, North America was like the year before Columbus arrived. Mm hmm. Ugh. Yeah, so, so think about cool. that, but like in that in the jungle. So do you want to know why it's named the Amazon? Did Jeff Bezos sponsor it? No, no, oh. no. But it probably does make you think of another um, character from pop culture. Wonder Woman. Yeah, but like Wonder Woman, when you think about her, she's not actually from the Amazon. She's from... She's Greek mythology. Right. So again, white people be white people. Uh, So the Amazon was named after uh, a conqueror named Francisco de Oriana Bejarano Pizarro y Torres de Altamirano. Is that Francisco Pizarro? No. He's a relation to Francisco Pizarro. At first I was like, this is just a really long version of his name. (laughs) Pizarro's name. But then I looked it up. It's, yeah. It's not that one. Um, But he and his fellow men got into a conflict with one of the local indigenous tribes, uh, the Tapuyas, among other tribes. And uh, he he was in a war with them, and he noticed that there was women fighting alongside men. And he was like, oh, my God, it reminds me of the Greek mythology of the the Amazonas. And so he named it the Amazon. I mean, there are worse things to be named after, like yeah. in Greek mythology. Yeah, but it's still definitely some colonial bullshit. <laughs> it is. It is. It is. Yeah. But it is uh, huge, and it is the, like the most biodiverse areas in the entire world. Uh, there are one in ten known species in the entire world lives in the Amazon rainforest. Say that again. One in ten known species. So of anything of all the animals that you can think of plants fish insects fungi 1 in 10 known in the amazon live in the amazon so like it's a fucking lot 
That's mm-hmm. my is, brain is having trouble conceiving of that. It is the largest collection of living plants and animal species in the world. There are 2.5 million insect species, about 40,000 species of plants, uh, <laughs> about 2,000 species of birds and mammals, and about another 2,000 species of fish. It's a lot. That's a lot. That is a lot. That's a lot. I think. On my best day, I could probably name eight plants. <laughs> I could probably name about five birds. Yeah. Yeah. And like for sure, I would try and get like Hank through as one of the names. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah, yeah, Robin, Blue Jay, Cardinal, <laughs> Hank, Crow. <laughs> wow. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah. So that it's it's really fucking important, and I'm gonna not get too preachy, but it's one reason why we shouldn't fucking burn it down. So with all those different species of plants and animals and such, you could understand how maybe a few extra ones kind of slip in here and there. Sorry. <laughs> What are, like it's what kind are you of slipping in. It's kind of like how people are like, oh well, nobody knows exactly what's at the bottom of the ocean, right? Oh, I don't like thinking about that. Mm-hmm. So there's uh, a a few different kind of cryptid legends that come from this region. You know, I love a cryptid. I know you do. Uh, so uh, I'm just gonna name a couple that came up in my research. Um, there's El Lobizon. Tell me. It is. It's a werewolf-like creature, lobo being the Spanish for wolf. Of course. It is also known as a luisan or luiso. So stories of the lobizon or el lobizon uh, come from all over Central and South America. It's similar to a werewolf in that it is half man, half wolf. Which half? I mean, a werewolf isn't like a centaur. <laughs> you realize it's, it's mean, like a man that turns into a wolf. Listen, I'm not trying to like... Put my views on others. Okay. Okay. But like, think of a werewolf. It's like, okay. it's I like can a, see it. yeah. <laughs> like, walks on two legs, but like, looks like a wolf. Sure. Usually. Sure. 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 You know, <laughs> you know, think of Oz and his terrible you <laughs> werewolf know. outfit uh, <laughs> that they got from Party City. Um, oh, Oz. Oh, Oz. You were too good for fucking Willow. Yeah. Um, so, so it's similar to the West in that it is half man, half wolf. But unlike the American and European version, it is it's not a, a lobazon is not created by someone being bit by a werewolf. Instead, it is bestowed upon anyone who is the seventh consecutive son in his family. Suck, right? So so if, if they have, have seven boys in a row, yeah. the seventh son. Is a monster. Is a monster. And uh, it manifests around the boy's 13th birthday. There's a family in West Michigan that has like 16 sons and they've been trying for a girl. So like the mom's been pregnant like 19 times. Uh, No. So maybe like it seems to me like they would have then two werewolves in that particular family. Jesus, yeah. Right? Yeah, does it start over again? Or does each consecutive son after that also become... I don't know, man. I don't make the rules. Yeah. I just know that in West Michigan, that family really, really, really wants a daughter, and they're not willing to just adopt. That just seems like a bad idea 
Yeah. I mean, they seem happy and that's fine. It's not for me, it's just but good for them. I want for myself. Right, 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 right. I think two is too many. Mm-hmm. They should never outnumber you. Then <laughs> they can rise up. Right. <laughs> like, so another creature is called El Chuyachaki. It is a guardian of the jungle. He is a dwarf-like farmer who messes with humans. Uh, he often takes the form of a loved one and lures people into the jungle. Pass. Mm-hmm. Do not want. Yeah. I didn't like it from... I don't like that it's a farmer. I don't like that it's not like... Like it does... Like it has an occupation. <laughs> <laughs> it's registered with the Ministry of Labor. <laughs> right. I am uncomfortable with every part of that. Mm. Hard pass. Do not want. Okay. Would um, take... The werewolf over that. Say the say the werewolf name again. Uh, El Lobizon. El Lobizon. Yeah. Beautiful, and probably a relative of my boo, the Michigan dog man. Yeah, probably El Chuyachaki. Chuyachaki. But since he is a farmer, it's recommended that to avoid clearings in the jungle because that's where he plants his plants. Sure. Um, and he is known to have a peg leg or a goat hoof. This is getting consecutively worse. Mm-hmm. Like okay. He's a farmer. He exists in the world. Yeah. He creates things. He trades. Makes him feel very real. Yeah. And now he's got a disability, and, like, I'm making fun of him. Mm. Uh, and also, yeah, he might no. have goat parts. Yeah. But just one, because uh, his distinctive tracks include one small left foot and a round hole for the right peg leg. Well. Do not want. Yeah. Um, and then finally, we have El Tunche. Uh, this uh, this one is uh, specific to Peru. Okay. It is a demon or a spirit that walks around the rainforest at night. Now, when you say demon. Yes. When Western people who grew up with a Judeo-Christian understanding of the world. Yes. Talk about the word demon. Mm-hmm. It means something malevolent or bad. Yes. But that is not a universal understanding of the use of the word demon. Correct. Okay, so what do you mean by that? I don't know, because I just read the word demon. Sorry. And you were like, good enough, <laughs> good next. For me, no, I did, like, I, I, I tried to find more on these, and I guess I'm just a fucking idiot, but I, no, I just, it. like, so I, I couldn't find much. There. Okay, so I thought that we were setting ourselves up for an easy time here, mm-hmm. and we aren't. And I think part of the reason for that is that so much of the interest in the Amazon is scientific mm-hmm. and people who are doing things like ecotourism, they're not there to hear the ghost stories. Yeah. So these ghost stories are, and, and, and stories of cryptids, they exist, but they're probably kept within the communities affected yeah. in that area. Yeah. And there's a lot of oral traditions, yes. but again, you have to like go and collect those stories. Well, there's also not a lot. Well, they're, there can be, but it not guaranteed to have as much access to, for example, the internet mm-hmm. or society entirely. Yeah. Aren't there something like 40 completely uncontacted tribes in the Amazon? I don't know. Maybe. Okay. I didn't find well, in my number. research, I read the number 40. Okay. And it was just about 40, pe- 40 tribes of people. Yeah. The tribes that... are small, mm-hmm. but they have no contact with the outside world. They are aware there is an outside world. There's been yeah. sightings. Mm-hmm. And they, you know, they are aware of some of our technology, but... They just don't care. I mean, it's like... Well, oftentimes, involvement with the outside has been met with people who are using the Amazon for industry. Mm-hmm. Saws, axes, terrified animals, burning things. 
Yeah. How, if you were an indigenous person who for generations has lived in an unspoiled environment and then all of a sudden. Yeah. This... It's like your world is ending. Exactly. Not mm-hmm. to quote Ferngully, but <laughs> I mean, look at Ferngully. Mm-hmm. And so is it unsurprising that you would want to fight back? No. Oh my God. No. Yeah. It's, I mean, it makes sense. Right. Is what I'm saying. Like it, there's nothing inherent about Western civilization that like people want. I mean, I think it's that being said, though, mm-hmm. sometimes I, I don't know, sometimes I wonder if maybe, and I'm probably coming down on the wrong side of this. This is not my official stance. Okay. I just think about. I wonder if there is a duty mm-hmm. of culture. So not not even just like our culture, only our culture, mm-hmm. of all cultures, mm-hmm. you know, to like, these guys have never heard Claire de Lune. <laughs> They're never going to hear the Beatles they aren't going to go to Maui. Like, they're yeah. and like okay, that's those are all very Western examples, but they're yeah. never going to drink Manischewitz wine, which is also a fucking delight, mm-hmm. or eat hummus. Like, I don't know. There's so I many mean, great, but we'll never things. live in the rainforest. Well, <laughs> so that's true. Yeah. At this point in time, the safest thing is for them not to be contacted because yeah. any of our germs could destroy them, could just decimate them. Yeah. Well, and it's also like, I, if they can. Come find us, too. Like, I don't... Right. Should we force our presence on somebody? No. Certainly not. Yeah. But the Beatles. I... You're talking... You're barking up the wrong tree with the Beatles. I mean, it's like, they're fine. Jen, leave this house. I just want everybody to love the world as much as I do. I yes. Guess. But they do in their own way. I'm sure. I'm sure. I'm sure. So, where was I? El Tunche. So, uh, it is a demon or a spirit. Don't know fully what kind of demon they mean um that walks around in the rainforest at night it is thought to be the spirit of a lost soul that walks the same paths he walked at in life uh, he collects the souls of who die of those who die in the rainforest and takes the lives of those who harm it the rainforest that is that's really cool mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you can oh you know um you're dealing with el tunche uh because he has a distinctive disembodied whistle i didn't like that (laughs) just imagine you're camping out at night you're sitting around your fire you're giving me goosebumps you hear the the crickets and the monkeys and the and the birds and the because rainverse is fucking loud sure sure i would imagine (laughs) then all of a sudden you hear this very human like I was thinking of the, like, uh, Hunger Games whistle. Oh, see, we both took different movies there. Because my whistle was from Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Okay. Uh, So, apparently, it is a whistle that is so tempting that it's almost impossible for you to not answer. Like, whistle back? Mm Mm-hmm. Fuck, I would, too. Yeah, you would. (laughs) That's exactly what you shouldn't do. When people whistle in public, I just want to be like, you know, just like whistle. See, I'm more give them a withering stare. No, I'm always ready to break out in song. how dare you disturb the peace? Disturbing the peace is like my core competency. Yeah. So as you whistle back, their whistle gets increasingly louder and high pitched because they're, once they start, you know, going back and forth, it's tracking you can pinpoint your location and it's following you and get it close. I really don't like that. Stop it. So those who answer the call are said to meet a hideous death. Sure, sure, sure. And that's what you get for whistling. That is what you get. 
so another version of the story refers to the whistle as a bird call. Uh, and imitating the call makes the spirit angry, and the spirit reacts by putting a spell on the person. So then uh, the person who hears the bird call uh, gets more and more persistent until it drives that person mad. Sure. Sure. Relatable. Bad whistling will do that to you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Another reason why we wanted to cover the Amazon is because there have been a lot of people who have disappeared in this 5.5 million kilometers squared jungle. Jesus. It's so big. Yeah. And it's easy to imagine that uh, some of them might have fallen prey to some of these creatures or spirits. Perhaps one of them is Percival Fawcett. <laughs> Do you know anything about Percival Fawcett? Offhand? No. <laughs> <laughs> I hadn't either. His name is Percival, though, so I assume he's a tonk. Just just a dick. Hmm. Yeah. So I'm picturing Percy Weasley. Yeah, he does have big Percy energy. Well, that's not entirely true. Just like stuck up, snobbish, has to do it his way. He is British, but so I feel like there's a certain amount of that. Um, but uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know how snobby he was. But listen to my. That's right, everyone. I've gone paper this week. <laughs> In the spirit of the trees. <laughs> Oh, God, the Lorax is going to kick our ass. He is, isn't he? Actually, not me. This week, I only have used one piece of paper. Look at me go. Mm. Well, uh, by the way, most of this information, I always forget to cite my sources at the top, um, but I got stuff about cryptids from Latin folktales at wordpress.com and listverse.com. Also, I got a lot of information from Wikipedia on the Amazon and this Mr. Fawcett. But then there was also an article... From the Washington Post. Nice. And that was called The Hero of the Lost City of Zed Was No Hero. That is by Hugh Thompson. So Percy Fawcett, he was born. Good for him. 18 August, 1867. Oh. So he's old timey. 1867? Uh, 1867. How fun. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. In England. Uh, and he uh, spent kind of his early days learning about geography. He joined the the Royal Geographical Society and the Royal Military Academy. So I feel like he kind of knew what he wanted to do from an early age. Sure. He also studied surveying and map making. Um, So yeah, he was like, I'm going to be an explorer because that was a time when you could still do that. So he started going to South America. Uh, His first expedition was in 1906. So he basically focused right on the jungle. Uh, He traveled to Brazil uh, to map the jungle area at the border of Brazil and Bolivia at the behest of the Royal Geographical Society. So he (laughs) was kind of one of those old-timey explorers where he was like, I'm going to kill all the nature and mount it on my wall. I don't know if he actually mounted anything on his wall, but he did claim on his 1907 expedition to shoot have seen and shot a 62-foot-long giant anaconda. <laughs> a how many foot long? Uh, 62 foot. A how many foot long? 62. I don't know how, how long anacondas actually... Oh, they can be. They that. can be really freaking long. I actually vote we look that up really quick. Okay. 
that guy is full of shit because mm-hmm. the green anaconda native to the Amazon only grows to 29 to 30 feet. Oh, well. Yes. But they're 550 pounds. Shit, man. Yeah. Um, yeah, so he, he made this claim and he even published uh, a book of his stories uh, called Exploration Fawcett. Oh, actually, this is a posthumous collection of his writings, but uh, the cover illustration was drawn by him and it shows an anaconda as long as a canoe uh, menacing the intrepid explorers and their Indian helpers as Fawcett raises a gun to shoot it, hardly waiting to aim, he recounts. He smashed a 44 soft-nosed bullet into its spine 10 feet below the wicked head. Uh, anacondas are not a joke. Mm-hmm. They're enormous. They'll get you in the water. They're really slow on land, but they'll fucking get you in the water. Well, see, here, I don't know, because this article by Thompson, he goes on to say, those who've traveled on the Amazon know that it is, in reality, mundane, soporific, and almost dreamlike. Very little happens slowly. It is perfectly possible to travel for days without seeing any wildlife, let alone an anaconda, which would slither away at the sound of oncoming canoes. Oh, so this guy's just a big, fat, stupid head liar. Yeah. I hate him. Yeah, he is. I yeah. mean, like, scare. Like, I'm, I don't like snakes. Mm-hmm. I don't mind them, so long as they are away from me. Mm-hmm. Um, a little bit. He's like, I'm just going to shoot this snake indiscriminately in the woods. I think that's wrong, mm-hmm. but I do understand the impulse. I do too, but also if that's your first impulse, maybe you shouldn't go to the Amazon. Right, right. You know what the right place is for you if you don't like snakes? Home. Michigan. <laughs> we got four of them, and none of them are by us. Yeah. It's just four in the entire state. <laughs> I'm not kidding. Are you kidding? <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, so, yeah, he made, like, weird claims like that. He also um, reported other mysterious animals unknown to zoology, such as a small cat-like dog about the size of a foxhound. He's, what the fuck is a cat-like dog? I don't know. What the fuck does that even mean? Those, I don't know. I know it's not actually that cat and dog are opposite, but they feel opposite. Yeah. He also uh, claimed to have seen dogs with double noses, which might have actually been real. Sure. Um, there's the double-nosed Andean tiger hound. So, Wait, really? Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so he made a bunch of expeditions um, over the next seven expeditions between 1906 and 1924. He took a brief break to fight in World War One, but he was back. Kind of while he's doing this, he kind of starts formulating this theory that uh, there was a lost city that he named Zed, which is the just the Z British pronunciation last. of Z. Um, is it made of gold? Um, Does it have the fountain of youth? I don't. Th- I don't think he made any claims like that. But he theorized that a, com- a complex civilization once existed in the Amazon region, and that there might be ruins there. So I think he was just kind of wanting another Aztec empire. Or another Valley of the Kings or something, like something to plunder for treasure. Mm -hmm. Uh, Okay. All right. Yeah. So he he kind of became obsessed with this. Uh, He also found a document uh, that was known as Manuscript 512, and it was written after explorations made in 1753, and a Portuguese guy... (laughs) That I'm not going to be able to pronounce his name. Yeah, so this guy in 1753 said he discovered the ruins of an ancient city that contained arches, a statue, and a temple with hieroglyphs. This city is described in great detail without providing a specific location. But then also Fawcett seemed to think that this was a different place than his lost city of Zed, so... 
I don't I don't know what this guy was smoking. Could have been anything. Yeah. It, it was the early 1900s. Yeah. So there is a there's a movie that came out fairly recently called The Last The Lost City of Zed that charged It's got Charlie Hoonan in it. Yes, it does. I don't does. know if I say I've never said his last name out loud. Me neither. But I'm not going to correct pretty. you. And he's in Freaks and Geeks and no, he's in the thing right after the Judd Apatow did. Uh, it doesn't matter. Uh, he's also in my perennial favorite, Crimson Peak. Sure, yeah. Charlie. Uh, yeah. Beautiful. So he's in that movie. I saw the trailer because I was like, I, I feel like I was, I mean, I think what it was was I think it came out while I was in grad school. And I feel like it's it's a lost movie. I had never heard of this before. Yeah, we should probably watch it. I don't, I don't want to anymore. Oh, okay. <laughs> because this kind of ruined me for it. <laughs> because <laughs> apparently that movie is like... He's like this great, like passionate about going on adventure kind of a thing, and this guy uh, Hugh Thompson's like, yeah, that's full of shit because he like was a big fucking racist idiot. <laughs> of course so, he was. Of course he was. Yeah. We're sending our our very best. So so anyway, he he's obsessed with this idea of finding this lost city. Uh, he makes a lot of speeches about it and says like I'm gonna go find it Uh, so he puts together a team to go back to Brazil to study wildlife and archaeology and to find this place what Um, year is this uh, so this is 1925 okay so he uh, gets funding from a London based group known as the glove (laughs) gross yeah Uh, so he returns to Brazil with his his oldest son Jack and Jack's best friend Raleigh Rimmel and so it's going to be the two of them, or the three of them, and, like, two uh, indigenous um, guides, and then, you know, like, pack horses and whatever. And they set off on this expedition through the jungle. Yeah, so he was accompanied by two Brazilian laborers, two horses, eight mules, and a pair of dogs. Uh, and so they would kind of, like, go, travel through the jungle and make camp. And uh, he would, like, write letters, and he would send them back with the Brazilian Laborers, and that's how we know anything about that expedition. Because spoiler alert: Homeboy's gonna die. He does not come out. Of course not. It's the yeah, Amazon. It is. Although he had made it through like several times, so and so that made him cocky. Yeah. Did his son make it out? No. None of them made it. None of them. I would say it's sad, but also you earned that. Yeah. Yeah. Especially yeah. if you were a racist piece of shit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so many great men, quote unquote, of that time period were. Yeah. So they, they're traveling through and they, they meet up with a number of different indigenous tribes, um, some of which he had, you know, seen before. And like he had come into contact with indigenous tribes and people are kind of torn over their opinion on his prowess at talking with them. <laughs> some people were like, oh, yeah, he was really good at building relationships with them. He brought them gifts and whatever. And then there's other people who are like, yeah, he fucking stole their canoes and they hated him. And like, yikes. So I don't know for sure, but he was he was able to make it a certain part of the way through. He his last known location uh, was a place that he named Dead Horse Camp. And this is because he in a previous expedition uh, made camp there and his horse died there. So he called it Dead Horse Camp. <laughs> You know, a place of good omens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, So while he was camped out there, he wrote a letter to his wife. And he was like, yeah, we're here, dead horse camp. Uh, Everything's going great. Uh, We're going to 
you, uh, he said, quote, you need have no fear of any failure. <laughs> that is his last hubris. recorded words. <laughs> Fucking hubris. Yeah. So there, uh, so yeah, he, he was never seen again that we know of. There were reports of people seeing, having sightings, but none are, you know, right. confirmed. In the same way that people have seen Amelia Earhart. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So there's there's disputed um, ideas about what happened. There was one main tribe, the Kurikuro, um, who seemed to have kind of been the last uh, contacted tribe that, you know, had dealt with them. Sure. Um, they have oral traditions that they have actually, that were, they were passing down about, you know, three white men who came into camp and... Um, they don't even seem to be able to agree whether they killed them or whether they died of natural causes. Sure. Okay. Well, I mean, details are not that important. Mm-hmm. What's mm-hmm. important is that they're dead. Yeah. There's one of the rumors um, that was passed down was that um, uh, Fawcett made moves on one of the wives of <laughs> one of... The men there, and he got mad. Dear Henrietta, fear and, no evil that yeah. I should be fall. Yeah. Uh, but also, I'm going to nail a Native American mm. woman against her will. Uh, yeah. Gross. Yeah. And so there's... it. One of the stories is that he was killed by that guy. Yeah. I hope he fucking was. Mm-hmm. 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 So, yeah, there's, there's a lot of differing stories about him. Most people kind of agree that he was, like, not that important of an explorer anyway like his name is pretty much lost to time sure but some people seem to be like really salty about him uh he sucked because he, he sucks um so in 2017 explorer uh john hemming uh criticized the publicity for the movie the lost city of zed for claiming that Fawcett was one of britain's greatest explorers arguing that this was an insult to the many true explorers and that Fawcett was a racist a nutter and a dangerous incompetent who never discovered anything but caused the loss of many lives sick burn yeah so yeah that's uh there's just a lot of back and forth stories about what may or may not have happened they thought it, they found his bones uh, in 1951, they didn't turn out to be his, but they did find a couple of like artifacts, like a compass and like a nameplate or something that had his name on it. And one of it, one of them, it was they figured out that it was a gift that he had given one of the indigenous tribes in a previous expedition. So that one was like, okay, well, that's from him, but right. different day. But the compass uh, was uh, from that expedition. So they uncovered that. But yeah. It'll be interesting to see if we ever find him and his I doubt it. I mean, it's so fucking big. (laughs) It's so fucking big and it's so fucking feckened. Like, Mm -hmm. there's so much life. There are so many things that could have devoured those corpses by now. And I'm not just talking animals. I'm talking fungus. I'm talking lichen. I don't know if lichen eat fat. But still... Yeah, there's so many things. There's so much life in the mm-hmm. Amazon. I feel like if you unplug your toaster and left it in the Amazon overnight, it would have a nest by morning. Oh, fun. I'm borrowing that from Dave uh, Barry, actually. Oh, okay. But still. <laughs> so, yeah, that's him. Not a great guy. He died somehow, naturally, well, or murdered. It's so funny that 
he's who you picked because we we really didn't discuss our selections much beforehand. No. Uh, my people have a lot in common with your asshole. Really? Yes. It's almost like white uh, <laughs> white people in the jungle tend to be well problematic. Okay. Some scientists are actually. Fine. Uh, I I recently finished up a uh, lecture series on great explorers, humanity's greatest explorations, and there are uh, specifically. A few German mm. uh, scientists from that time period who who dealt very ethically in the Amazon. Okay, but I don't want to talk about them. I yeah. want to talk about assholes. It's more fun to talk about assholes, <laughs> right? Um, so we're going to talk about Michigan's favorite asshole, <gasps> Ford. Henry Ford. Henry Ford. <laughs> uh, for those of you who don't know, uh, Ford and GM. Mi- Michigan is known as the automotive state. Mm-hmm. Uh, we made cars. We made hella fucking cars. Yeah. And uh, that and we was... celebrated by driving any goddamn thing down the road. <laughs> That's true. Yep. <laughs> it Fuck. is a lawless land in the roads of Michigan. <laughs> it's very true. Yeah. So Henry Ford is very much revered in America as, well, maybe not in America. I don't know if my youthful Michigan education mm-hmm. put a lot more focus on him because Michigan. I mean, I think people generally like, oh, thank God for Henry Ford cars. Okay. So if you were to forget everything that you know about being an adult in the world yeah. and just think back to your second grade self and say, why is Henry Ford famous? Uh, because of the, uh, why can't I think of the, <laughs> the automated ass- the assembly line. There we go. Thank you. <laughs> So everybody thinks, oh, oh, he's the genius who invented the assembly line. Uh-huh. He didn't. No, oh. he just paid somebody to come up with that, and he used it. <laughs> he was like, oh yeah, that's a good idea. Yeah. So uh, the other, a lot of people also think Henry Ford invented cars. He didn't. No, no, that was cars. <laughs> yeah, cars. Have, well, I mean, they were. Yeah, it started in Europe. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Mercedes Benz. Yeah. Benz specifically. Oh, okay. Yeah, so uh, he gets a lot of credit for basically just being the guy who paid for things. Mm. Now, that being said, some of the things he paid for are super dope. Uh, for example, the Henry Ford Museum. <laughs> yeah. The Henry Ford Museum is a world-class institution. Mm-hmm. And it has some of the coolest shit. Yeah. Like, I have stood immediately next to the, and I didn't touch it, but I really wanted to. <laughs> Proud of you. Uh, the limousine that JFK was killed in. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. It's cool. Uh, I've been... The Wiener will be... Like, there's so many cool things at the Henry Ford Museum. Mm-hmm. I definitely recommend everybody go. But please remember that Henry Ford was a piece of shit. Yeah. Uh, case in point, Henry Ford is men- is the only American mentioned in Mein Kampf favorably <laughs> twice. <laughs> oh, you hate to see it. Yeah, right? Uh, he thought Hitler was a righteous dude. Oh, yeah, they were... They were tight. They were, yeah, they were actual friends. They, yeah, they had met in person. A couple times. So, <laughs> Henry Ford is a piece of shit. He was a, a huge anti-Semitic. Mm-hmm. Uh, in fact, he had a whole, he bought a newspaper uh, to write the most boring articles alive, but also real big hate pieces on Jewish people. Oh my God. His anti-Semitism is profound. Yikes. It's almost impressive. Uh, But that's not the only thing he hated. 
Ford also hated, uh, hated, and I'm quoting here from a uh, Sydney Morning Herald article, Jews, bankers, doctors, Catholics, fat people, books, reading, jazz music, short <laughs> skirts, college graduates, experts of any kind, pasteurized milk, and skyscrapers. Jen, ask me about the skyscrapers. Why did he hate skyscrapers? Henry Ford hated skyscrapers because he was worried they were going to make the earth cave in with their enormous bulk. Okay. <laughs> Jennifer, when you build a building, what's yeah. the first thing you do? You you lay a fa- foundation. You lay a foundation. <laughs> and when you lay a foundation, what do you do? You dig a hole. You dig a hole. And when you dig that hole, Jen, what are you taking? What what are you create? How do what what creates the hole? You remove what? Indeed. (laughs) Henry Ford hated experts. Uh, He believed that people should just figure things out as they go. He was a tinkerer. And so uh, he didn't trust any of the experts who told him many times. I'm having so many panic flash side races. (laughs) About our current president? Who does this remind you of? (laughs) Fair. It's a very fair thing. Yeah. They would have gotten along just fine. I'm pretty sure Hitler would have been like, this Trump guy's okay. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Kids in cages. All right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was such a bad Hitler impression. Don't anyway, care. Hitler's a piece of shit. <laughs> that's true. Fuck Hitler. Uh, let me just finish up with the skyscraper thing. When you dig the hole, you yeah. take out like 100,000 pounds of dirt for okay. a skyscraper. Yeah. And yeah. then you build a skyscraper. And it doesn't weigh 100,000 pounds. It weighs like 60 60 tons. Really? Yes. So it's less heavy than the Earth. And like so many people explain this 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 is like mind-blowing to me, but also I'm like, sure, whatever you say, because I'm fucking gullible. (laughs) Right. Okay, fair enough. This is just to say that I just don't understand people who don't believe smart people who tell them things. (laughs) I struggle with this all the time. Yes. Uh, There are so many people in my life who have told me that college ruined me. Why am I talking about Ford? Ford has nothing to do with the Amazon, right? You would think. You would think. And maybe if Ford listened to a fucking expert once in his life, he would have had nothing to do with the Amazon. But he's an idiot. Oh. he didn't. (laughs) Uh, So Henry Ford, first off, born just five years before your guy. (laughs) Uh, So he was born in the middle of the Civil War, uh, 1863. Motherfucker lived well into 1947. Wow. Yeah. Kind of like God didn't want him. (laughs) Satan was like, he's just going to automate things. (laughs) They're just like, you take him. No, you take him. No, you take him. You take him. Yeah. Uh, Fuck that guy. I hate him. Uh, He was president of Ford Motor. Uh, Ford Motor, for a time, was the largest industry in the world. Um, And one of the reasons that it got so big was because Ford learned that if you treat people who are used to being treated real badly with just, like, a little bit of care, Mm. like, a very bare minimum of care, like, you know, decent wages, enough to, like, buy the product that you're making, and some time off, you will never fucking leave that job. Mm -hmm. You will ride that job for generations. Yeah. It's a real shame that Jeff Bezos hasn't figured that out. (laughs) Jeff Bezos doesn't have to. He's just waiting long enough for robots to take over. So uh, this guy who's considered an American hero uh, believed that he really was like the be-all and end-all of genius. When really, he was a guy with a paycheck. Oh, okay. So whatever. Fuck that guy. Rich people always think they're the smartest. Ain't that God's truth. So 
he had a problem. And the problem was inconsistencies in rubber making. Mm -hmm. Rubber making was important for cars and things like gaskets that you need for engines. Um, At this point in time in the world, the United States uh, has to rely on the British monopoly for rubber. And that's a problem. Mm. We don't like having to get our shit from other people. Uh, So it would be better if he could get rubber himself. So Henry Ford said, aha, I will go into the rainforest. The Amazon rainforest has uh, rubber trees. Latex Uh is the sap. So Henry Ford is going to break this rubber cartel. There really was a cartel. Mm. Uh, The British rubber royalty, he was called a... British rubber royalty. British rubber royalty. British rubber royalty. British British rubber royalty. royalty. (laughs) He was called a latex lord. Like, I know that rubber comes from trees, but I still don't know how that rubber comes from trees. And I know sure. you said the sap, but, like, I don't believe it. So I'll tell you. Uh, it's it's uh, it's low in the tree. Um, they have lots and lots of latex. The latex is actually very much like sap. It's like a milky substance at first. In the Amazon, those trees are kind of all over the place. So Brazilian rubber uh, indigenous harvesters would kind of like work their own schedule. They like to wake up really early, like be in and working like 3 a.m., 4 a.m., 5 a.m. Nope. But the trees are still cold. Oh, cold. And so all of the sap <laughs> is low and kind of like in the center of the tree. Uh-huh. And then they like to be done with work by noon uh-huh. because at that it point in time, hot. it got hot and it made the latex go all over the tree. Ooh. It would like spread through the um, veins of the tree. Also, you probably don't want to be working... When it's super hot out. Yeah, yeah. Especially because that makes the bugs come to life. And like snakes and shit. Mm -hmm. The colder it is, the safer you are. Henry Ford said, all right, well, I'm going to go. We're going to plant these these plantations of rubber trees. And they're going to grow like apple orchards. Mm. Because that's what worked for the British uh, latex lords uh, organized under Henry Wickham. Henry Wickham went through and stole... Mr. Wickham. For real. A dastardly villain. (laughs) He stole thousands of rubber seeds, Mm. uh, rubber tree seeds, and he took them to places like Malaysia, and they planted plantations there. They often actually even used slave labor to collect this latex. Not surprising. For real. But also, that's exactly what I was talking about with indigenous people not doing that and how it's much better for the environment. Yes. It is. It is. It absolutely is. The minute we try to organize nature, we start to fuck up. Yeah. Well, it's just like you shouldn't bulldoze two million species of whatever to plant one monocrop. Yep. Yep. We've seen it fail a thousand times. Look at you, banana republics. Yeah. So Ford wanted to create his own supply. And he decided that while he was there, he would also create the perfect factory town. Now... Uh, his factory town, of course, is based on the Michigan experience. The east side of Michigan is full of identical little houses yeah. from like the 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s. They are built around factories. Henry Ford tried to put things like amenities into these towns so that people had stuff to do so they wouldn't turn to crime, which actually... Pretty good social engineering. Yeah. Uh, the more the more people have nothing to do, the like, if they're not active, the more they're going to turn to things like drugs and alcohol. Mm-hmm. Henry Ford was a vegetarian and an avid prohibitionist. 
Um, so Ford wanted to create his own little perfect society, and he based it off of the Midwest factory towns. Which brings me to my ghost story. It's not a ghost story. I'm sorry. I couldn't find a good ghost story. Yeah. What I did find was a ghost town. Just as good. <laughs> Thank you. And this ghost town is called Fordlandia. Because of oh course it is. Yeah. So the Ford Motor Company actually went and bought a couple hundred thousand acres of the Amazon. Jesus. They bought a section of the Amazon that had no roads and, well, okay. and had no way to mm-hmm. connect to roads. Go on. <laughs> what it had was a river. Well, okay, that's one thing. At least they didn't have to build a river. For sure, for sure, for sure. Because there's a world where that could have happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, nope, the river was already there. Okay. The closest town was, by river, 16 hours away. Oh, Okay. So we are. Were in, all the other parcels taken? Like, <laughs> we are in the middle of nowhere. And that's part of the charm to Henry Ford. He wants to isolate his workers. Okay. Because then he can control them. And they can't leave. Exactly. Okay, this is making sense. He was trying to fix the culture uh, of the Brazilians. First off, they were Catholic, couldn't have that. Mm. Uh, now he didn't go. He didn't put. He didn't go down and like try and change people's religions. But he did build a church on the premises, and it it's wasn't like overtly Catholic. Kind of fucking colonialism. That's like we converted you all to this religion a hundred years ago, or whatever. Um, we want you to change right. again. <laughs> it's uh, it's patronizing. Yeah, you know. Yeah, regardless, yeah, yeah. we're gonna need you. You know to... those other white guys who made you uh, have this religion? We're, we're gonna. gonna... We're in a different... Same God. Same, same God. God. Same God. Just we'll different, different traditions. Different rules. Um, so he, he did offer some things that I consider valuable. Uh, he included free health care and education for all of his workers. Oh, what a socialist. Sometimes. <laughs> he also included a dance hall, a movie theater, and an 18-hole golf course. Okay. Because, uh, again, and a pool. Active people are healthy people, yeah. in, in Henry Ford's mind. Uh, they're happy workers. But also, uh, remember how I said he was a vegetarian? Yeah. He he made them all eat vegetarian food. Like, <laughs> like the cafeterias. Were all vegetarian. Yeah. And then on top of that, he was trying to... There, there's basically two levels of failure here. Because Fort... Sorry, spoiler alert. Fordlandia fails. You mean it's not a thriving society today? It fails in epic... Epic fashion. Okay. <laughs> I mean, that's how it becomes a, a, a ghost town. A ghost town. <laughs> so uh, the first way that it fails is uh, through culture. The people that he's trying to make work and live a certain way don't want to live that way. Mm. He brings in all of this, like, prepped food, uh, canned food, 1920s, 1930s food. And uh, surprisingly, <laughs> the, uh, the, Not into it. <laughs> the Brazilians are like pass this yeah. is disgusting yeah uh there's only so many lemon beans a person can eat before they go insane uh they also were drinkers <laughs> and so uh they set up a bar mm-hmm. and it had to be very secret a speakeasy sort of thing and it was called the island of innocence <laughs> so that they that's baller right so they could all get away with having a drink yeah it eventually actually led to a riot oh, oh. <laughs> like they were so upset with you know, getting good wages and education and healthcare if you're not allowed to, like, enjoy your life the way you're used to. Fucking drink at the end of the day? Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> now... Or a steak. <laughs> just anything, you know? Just something real. Yeah. 
So he also, the second failure was of nature. Remember how I said Henry Ford doesn't like experts? Uh-huh. He never bothered to learn anything about rubber trees or the ecosystem of the Amazon rainforest. So he went through, he cleared the land, mm-hmm. and he planted rubber trees quite close together. Okay. Uh, normally, they're spread rather far apart in the Amazon. Yeah. Uh, when they planted those Amazonian trees, uh, Henry Whitaker... Wickham. 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 <laughs> Uh, when Mr. Wickham yeah. uh, went through and planted those things in Malaysia, they were planting them in an environment full of bugs that didn't learn to eat rubber. Oh, okay. So planting them in the Amazon in uh-huh. an environment rich of bugs that eat rubber, you have now created... A buffet? A buffet. Just a smorgasbord. So all a of, smorgasbord. All of these critters are attacking uh, these trees. And they are getting quickly decimated because they're a monocrop. Mm-hmm. Duh. Mm-hmm. Additionally, the he was making the workers work kind of like traditional factory hours. So they were up working in the afternoon heat. Mm. Uh, he imported a lot of... There were Americans down there as well. Uh, kind of um, Brazilian local uh, workforce. And the management was all American. They They didn't know how to survive. Mm. Uh, so they started attacking these bugs, uh, were just attacking their bodies. They would be out there, you know, managing people in this orchard or, or plantation. And they're in the heat of the sun with their hot, sweaty bodies and all of these delicious bugs. Oh, my God. This is part of the reason that the, that the, the workers who were harvesting this rubber indigenously worked in the morning. Yeah. <laughs> but Henry Ford was better. Henry Ford knew better. Mm-hmm. You know, he didn't have to ask them. This is... Sorry, I just got angry. It is a key tenet of doing important work in a community. It's called with not for. When you do things with a community and you listen to them and you respect them, it's going to be more successful than if you just steamroll in and tell people how to do things. Yeah. Uh, If you've ever read the book, Three Cups of Tea, uh, that guy is a little problematic. um, But the same idea is espoused by Jane Austen with not for. Nope. (laughs) Jane Adams. Wow, wow, wow. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, Jane Adams, who worked on Chicago's uh, tenements, yeah. she she kind of like worked with all of these immigrant populations and she worked with them. She didn't do things for them. And by doing that, she gave them respect and dignity and a system that worked with, not for. Mm-hmm. Henry Ford knew better than all these people. So um, they have bugs. They have pit vipers they have scorpions that are literally attacking people oh my god because they've never had such an open buffet of people and workers in the heat of the day oh my god they also have trees now henry ford knew a little bit about clearing land because he's from michigan Mm -hmm. we did that we did and uh can you tell me what the main tree in michigan was during the lumber boom no Okay. <laughs> it is the eastern white pine. Oh, okay. The eastern white pine is a soft wood. Mm-hmm. I think there's a whole lot of soft wood in the Brazilian rainforest. No. Nope. That's Nope where, for hardwoods. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, so Like mahogany. Like a rich mahogany. <laughs> <laughs> these, uh, these hardwood trees 
Henry Ford came down to clear the land, and these trees just destroyed his saw blades oh. and and just refused to get under his thumb. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he, he didn't give up, though. He fucking doubled down. Oh, my God. He threw so much money at this project. Uh, it, it started in 1927, and he didn't actually call it quits until 1945. If you want a really good... What? <laughs> Yeah, 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 yeah. So what is that? Like almost two decades, right? It's a long fucking time. It's a long fucking time. So this guy, he keeps, no, we're going to make this work. No, we're going to make this work. The trees are fighting back. Nature is fighting back. He was like, all right, then we'll cover up all the trees in nature. and We'll send down cement. So he ships down bags and bags and bags of cement to conquer nature. Have you ever seen how cement is shipped? In bags of in, in dry bags, powder. powder. Yeah. yeah. Uh, which you then put in the moisture-rich environment of the fucking rainforest. Oh, no. <laughs> the forest of rain, you absolute walnut. <laughs> so by the time the cement got to where they could use it, it was no longer in a powder form. It was cement rocks inside bags. Oh, my God. Is that not the stupidest fucking thing you've that ever heard? very stupid. It's so stupid. Oh. <sighs> So they weren't able to build roads, which mm-hmm. means that there were no cars. Uh, and the people who he had working for them had no interest in buying cars or American food. And so the whole enterprise kind of went belly up. But it took him almost two decades to figure it out. Oh, my God. It's a ghost town today. Uh, there are there actually there are some people who live there, but all of the structures from Fordlandia still stand. So parts of Amazing. the hospital, an absolutely enormous wooden warehouse. <laughs> Uh, a water tower. So you're just going along and this river, this riverboat. Uh, it's still a 16-hour slow boat trip from the closest town, which is Taba- Tapayos. Yeah. So the closest town is Tapayos, and it's a 16-hour regular boat trip. Or you can take the fast boat, and it's five hours. Oh, my God. You can still go there today. And you're going along, going along, going along, and then out of the wilderness, you see a water tower. Like, Jeez. it looks like That's a Warner Brothers water tower. Creepy. And then at the base of that, there is a church, a little sidewalks, red fire hydrants, a firehouse. It looks like a very specific part of, like, the American time frame. Like, George Bailey would have been very comfortable. <laughs> yeah, if it weren't in the fucking jungle. Right, with all exactly. The bugs. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so this, uh, this ghost uh, town is still there, and it's just a testament to Ford's hubris and oh, failure yes. and i kind of love it i know it's like wrong to be like nah, this guy failed but fuck this guy oh my god if we're gonna laugh at anyone's failure right right so i sorry it's not more spooky guys but like fuck henry ford uh do we have a, a listener story we do do it up baby this one comes from alex alex h alex writes i'm alex from greenville new york Hey. And then gave a zip code because apparently there's like three green pills in New York. I had no idea. That's hilarious. And that's really dumb. Way to go, New York. (laughs) Uh, They say, I've been meaning to write something out and send it to you guys for a while now. I finally did. Look at me go. Yeah. So when I was about 18 or 19, I experienced multiple bouts of sleep paralysis. For the sake of time, I'll only tell the two craziest. The first time was potentially the most terrifying, as you may imagine, having never dealt with it before. I was asleep, lying on my back in the pitch black of my room. I woke up to the sensation of someone sitting on top of me. 
I'm getting goosebumps as I write this as it's so vivid still. Uh, from what I could feel, it was a person. That is, I could feel its legs on either side of me. No. Straddling me. Kinky. <laughs> That's not what you want, Chad. No. <laughs> uh, its hands were on my shoulders. I don't recall it applying any pressure or actively holding me down, but it wasn't exactly unmenacing in this position. For whatever reason, call it confusion or being half asleep, still, I reached up with this, all the strength I could muster and felt its face. <gasps> I've never heard of that before. Ooh. It didn't move as I ran my fingers across its nose and mouth and eyes, nor when I felt its forehead. This was the part that stuck with me the most, as it was the strangest comparatively. Its forehead protruded a substantial amount beyond the rest of its facial features. It was similar to that of a Neanderthal, but that doesn't even uh, describe it. I'm not sure how I got out of the predicament, but as soon as I regained my senses and made the connection of what was going on, I made a beeline to the light switch across the room. Nothing was there when I turned back to my bed, now fully illuminated by the ceiling light. The next occurrence was similar. I woke to find this thing on top of me, vaguely holding me down. However, I got a bit ballsy. I started punching it. Wow. I'm not normally an angry person, but I wasn't about to let this thing get the better of me again. Right. I could feel its panic quickly moving about, looking for a way out. It was then that it crawled upward and over my head, almost like a giant spider. It disappeared without hesitation into the wall at the head of my bed. Then I ran for the lights again. Nothing. Both of these times, I always found myself in the same position before I could get up while it was happening, so I can't. So I can very much say it wasn't just a vivid dream. I'm now 31. It's been 12 years since this happened. I've slept with a light on since. Yeah. Of course you did. Yeah. Now that's actually really interesting because it's a great deal of control. Mm -hmm. I've never heard of somebody being able to like move their arms. Yeah. That's wild. Have I ever, have I said on the show that I kind of think that uh, those shadow people Mm. are just like other realms kind of accidentally interacting with us oh interesting i've i've read it somewhere and of course i can't remember where but i think it's like a thinning of the veil oh yeah I can you see know that. where things are just a little too thin and they're mm. stumbling across us as much as we're stumbling across them Mm-hmm. like they're stunned staring yeah that's all spooky anyway uh i told my dad a while back about the experience he's dead set on the belief that our family has some sort of sixth sense and can with practice communicate with whatever may be trying to get a hold of us apparently they're attracted to us because they know we can at least i know he won't just say i'm crazy right there is something to that too Mm -hmm. Uh, he told me that around the same time he had a similar experience but it was trying to smother him with the pillow he puts over his eyes while he sleeps well that's a practice i would end immediately dad come on (laughs) asking for somebody like the cat could accidentally murder you yeah (laughs) our rooms are right next to each other mind you with the wall at the head of my bed shared with the wall of his room it crawled right over through the wall Yeah, man. He went on to say that it was all potentially because my mother was taking psychic classes with her cousin at the time. She was bringing shit home with her, but was protected by pre-seance protection rituals and prayers while we weren't. Well, that's just poor practice. You have to... Sorry, I started to get mad. Go on. You're supposed to cleanse and like... Mm. like protect yourself so some things can't fucking follow you home 
Oh, okay. But okay. All right. So like people have different practices and like yeah. one of the things I don't like about paganism is when pagans shame other pagans for the way they do things. So So you're going to pagan shame? Also, just ignore everything I just said. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Anyway, I have a ton of other stories from over the years, so I might write back periodically if you wish. Yes, please. Alex. Alex, that was fantastic. I loved it. I'm so glad that's never happened to me. Right. Like, when I wake up in the night, I wake up in the night, and that's it. (laughs) Yeah. There's nothing staring at me. There's nothing... I don't know. I am just always so fucking exhausted when I wake up in the middle of the night that I'm just like, nope. Well, right, because you're used to waking up, like, noonish, right? (sighs) Sorry, uh, Jen and I have very different wake-up times and, like, yeah. an understanding of what is late and what is early. <laughs> <laughs> so roasting her about it is my favorite. Yeah, but, you know, I can stay up to midnight, so. You're right, I cannot. <laughs> People are like, oh, do you guys want to join us on a ghost hunt? And I was like, maybe Jen does. I would. I would 100%. If people want to just organize it, tell me when, and I will be there. We have a couple patrons that we oh, need to thank. Thanks, guys. Uh, so we have Sarah Sid. Thank you. Thank you, Sarah. And Rachel Riddle. Rachel Riddle. We know you from the group. Oh, yeah. Uh, so thank you both uh, so much for supporting us on pre- Patreon. And thank you to all of our other patrons. Uh, we are... Super fucking grateful. Yeah, so grateful to you. Uh, we're, we've been uh, making our videos. Uh, we need to figure out what we're doing for February oh, yeah. <laughs> before February is over. I don't know why, but these have always tended to be end of the month videos. But you know what? You still get them. So. <laughs> I'll tell you why. Because the first one was at the end of the month. Yeah. And then we needed a month to come up with the next one. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so uh, head over to patreon.com slash this podcast is haunted if you want to check us out. Uh, if not, you can just check us out on social media for free. We are on Twitter, uh, Facebook, and Instagram. Our stuff is in the description. Uh, and we'll be back in, in a, a fortnight. In a fortnight, as Still we are fun. always. Jen, you want to get out of this freezing room? I do so badly, yes. All right, well, stay spooky, motherfuckers. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>